Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga and the creator of the Momentum Magic Method, showing you the way to becoming a confident teacher who seamlessly shares cues and easily creates sequences, whose classes feel like events, who understands anatomy, and who shares their passion in a unique and authentic way. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. In addition to the podcast, follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into the episode. Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 236. So I'm recording this episode on Thursday, April 13th, and this will go live on April 17th, 2023. So you'll be hearing this that day or sometime thereafter. I would love to know, send me a DM. Are you a listener shortly after the episode comes out, or do you listen sometime in the future? Send me a DM and let me know. And if you want to get a jump on listening, know that my episodes always go live on Mondays. So this episode is going to have a mixture of things. The main teaching topic I'm going to talk about in today's show is assisting. This is something I haven't talked about in a while, and uh, I really want to talk about it because there's so much to it. Uh, and I wanted to start with a couple of preliminary topics before we get into the teaching topic. And they're sort of a little bit all over the map, but um, but let's let's start. So the first thing I wanted to do is share a story from a teacher. And I posted on my social media. Sometimes I feel like Instagram kind of suppresses things. So, I don't really think a lot of people saw it. So I thought, because it's such a cool story, I thought I would share it with you. So you could hear this teacher's story and also notice, what I want you to notice about it is, it's gonna be pretty obvious, but notice the shift that she made. And I want you to think about it from the point of view of where she was to where she ended up. And almost think of it like a journey. Like if you were going to drive from Boston to San Francisco, you could drive there and get there quickly if you took the right route, or you could get there with a lot of extra effort and time if you didn't take the right route. So I want you to kind of use that metaphor as you think, uh, as you hear this story. So this isn't long, but here we go. One yoga teacher's story. I have to tell you about Beth, one of the teachers in my program, who's been struggling with the need to practice with her classes all the time and wanting instead to walk around the room. She had tried using a sequence she knew well and still felt pressure to do the whole thing with them. But uh, because they kept looking up at her and that made her feel like if she stopped practicing, they wouldn't know what to do. She also found that when she wasn't doing the practice, it was hard to find the cues to use. But together on a momentum call, that's part of my program, we were able to eliminate all that pressure 
by revealing the benefits to her and her students that appear once she stops practicing with them. And we were able to practice an easy way to share cues so she no longer needs to depend on practicing with class in order to know what to say. It's part of the cues framework I teach in my program. The relief on her face made my heart leap for joy. That is so true. She said she felt so much weight lifted from her shoulders and was excited to use this new approach in her next class. So I want you to notice in that little story there where she was and where she ended up and what the specific changes were and the resources that she had available to her to make that positive shift. So I think number one, it's pretty obvious she made a positive shift when she talked about the weight lifting off her shoulders. And that came from learning specifically how she could share cues in a way that they weren't coming from her practice and what the benefit was, benefits were to her and her students when she stopped practicing with her class. So those two things, learning the benefits and learning strategies around cueing that weren't dependent on her practicing allowed her to step more fully into her role as a teacher by preserving her practice for herself and really allowing herself to see her students and them to see her. And so that, I mean, those kinds of transformations that teachers have for me are just so inspiring to see. And that's why I said my heart leaped for joy. Uh, but more importantly, her eyes lit up. She found this to be a really impactful revelation. Like, oh my God, I was never really thinking of the benefits, all the benefits that students get when I don't practice with them. So if this interests you and you want to find out more about how you can have a transformation like this, just send me a DM on Instagram and say, you heard about this story on the podcast and you want to learn more about how you can have this happen for you too. So that's number one. The other thing I wanted to say is I am doing Instagram lives again. This is something I was doing for a while. And I stopped because again, Instagram tends to operate in different ways on different days. And I was finding it was just taking so long to get people to be aware that I was live or I don't know, maybe people didn't care, but it just was very difficult to get anybody on the live with me. And so I stopped doing them. And this week I restarted and I found that Instagram is just pushing out when you go live so much more now. So I've been really excited that there've been five, six, seven, eight. Today I had like almost 20 people on IG live. And what I'm doing, I mean, this is really my true love. I mean, I love a lot of things about working with you as a yoga teacher. I really love teaching you more about anatomy. And so I'm using Instagram live as a way to do 10 minute mini teach lessons, mini lessons, mini teach sessions on anatomy. And so it's not a deep, deep dive, but it's more than the one minute videos I do on reels on Instagram. So keep in mind, if you want to look at the three 
mini teach sessions I did this week. One's on the rotator cuff, one's on additional shoulder muscles, and one is on core musculature, which I did today. Just go to my Instagram and look up um, on the page itself, on the profile itself, you'll see you can pick the video section and those lives are there. And then stay in touch with me on IG because I will be posting in my stories when I will go live. Uh, and if you want an even better way, cause I know sometimes that's hard to find, or I don't know, maybe you're just not feeling like going through Instagram is, is an easy thing. If you're on my VIP mailing list, I'm starting to send out alert emails, just like, Hey, I'm going to go live in the next half hour. And here's what I'm going to teach about. So get on my mailing list. If you're not, you can just go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, download one of the free teacher resources and that'll put you on the list. Or if you don't want to do that, just send me your email and I will just um, add you myself. Just tell me that you want to be added. And you can just do that via Instagram or you can email it to me. So that's that. Um, the, the next thing I wanted to talk about before I go into the teaching topic for today, which as I said, is about assisting is I want to do a bit of a personal share. Now, this is the kind of thing that, you know, I don't know, maybe somebody else wouldn't share this sort of thing, but I really want to share it with you. I'm, I'm not going to go completely fully transparent because this is deeply personal, but I think there is some value in just talking about it high level because it might be something that you're interested in doing for yourself from a personal growth standpoint. And it might even be a technique that you've not heard of. So, oh, where do I begin? Um, I mean, I could do a whole show on this, but I don't want to go too deep into it. And, and again, I want to kind of keep this more functional than a total personal share. So the deal is over the past several months, not really several months, I would say definitely within the past 30 days uh, in March, I was starting to feel a lot of pressure to make things happen. I was starting to feel increased pressure from a business standpoint to get more teachers in my program. And I think that that was coming through in how I was communicating with teachers uh, in email or in DMs or whatever. And if you're someone that I communicated with within the past month, you may have felt pressure from me and you can always send me a DM on Instagram and tell me how I came across. And I don't think it was anything super over the top. I think it was more in me, something that I was feeling like I was pressuring people and I never, ever, ever want to be like that. I always want this to be that I am coming at what I do from a place of joy and love and passion and inspiration and feeling fulfilled, sharing what I love with people who want to learn and grow into confident teachers. And I was feeling like in March, it just was like pushing something uphill. I felt like I was pushing people in conversations I was having with them. And so, I went, and you may have seen this on my stories, I went to a business event, a two-day event, and I had a heart-to-heart -heart with some other entrepreneurs there. And some of them kind of confronted me and said, you are the problem. <laughs> you know, it's me, I'm the problem, it's me. 
the Taylor Swift song. And so I was like, what are you talking about? I'm not the problem. And so I had a couple of instances after that meeting, like really bizarre things in the universe where I would listen to a random podcast from someone I'd never listened to before. And the message would be about detachment or um, other spiritual themes that really spoke to the state of mind I was in, as well as the state of mind I wanted to embody more. And so it was almost like I started to have all these messages from the universe, like saying, Karen, you do have a problem and you need to get to the bottom of it so you can embody more of the way of being you want to have. So one of the things that I had listened to, I guess maybe it was that, it brought up the topic of hypnosis, but not hypnosis like you think about the magician with the watch and the person, you know, becoming um, unconscious of what they're doing, but still awake and doing silly things. Not that, more like a deep meditative state where you then have somebody asking you specific questions so that you can bring some unconscious beliefs to the surface. So long story short, I have a hypnotherapist. And before I went on vacation last week, I set up some appointments with her. And I went on vacation last week. You may have seen it on my stories. I was fortunate enough to go visit um, Ben's family's um, vacation home in St. Martin. And I took a lot of time to myself to really dive deep into just thinking about everything that I was thinking about, as well as being outside in nature, exercising every day, swimming, going in the ocean, meditating, yoga, all the things. So I came back from vacation feeling like I had a bunch of really good, healthy revelations, went into this first session of hypnotherapy. And that's why I wanted to talk to you about it. Because if you've never done this, you, you might actually be interested in doing it. And it's not like you need to have something like I had, like a particular state of mind that you want to shift. You could totally go into it, not really having a quote unquote problem um, and still get a lot out of it for me, because I felt like I was in this way of being where I was pushing people. That was sort of the catalyst to why I was seeking help. And in the first session, actually the day before the first session, I had, um, a random opportunity to do a meditation with someone. And the theme of the meditation was inner child work. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. I had sort of heard of it, but not really. And I certainly had never done a meditation of any kind that was focused on inner child work. But this meditation we did was really impactful for me. And without going into a lot of the details, the basic gist of it is you take yourself back during the meditation to yourself as a child at several different stages of your life. And you sort of position you as you now and you as you then, and you have a conversation with that person both ways. So the four-year-old you talks to the, you know, whatever, let's say you're 50 now or 40 now or whatever it is. And then you do that through several iterations of your growth. And when I did that little mini experience, I had 
kind of an emotional reaction and I wasn't quite sure why. And so then interestingly enough, when I did my first hypnotherapy session the other day, that was the exact framework that she used. So we sort of did a meditation or she sort of guided me into a meditation. So I was still very conscious. It wasn't like I was hypnotized, but I was definitely relaxed and I was definitely more focused and calm and all of what you experience in meditation. And then from there, she guided me through an inner child meditation. Oh, I'm sorry, an inner child, um, I don't know, session or exercise that was much more involved and detailed than what I had done in that mini session or that mini meditation. And all I will say is I really uncovered a lot of stuff about how I was as a four-year-old and how I was as a 15-year-old and how those ways of being informed how I am today. And I think the most striking thing was so much of how I was as a four-year-old, a lot of things I really liked about myself, I don't really play up as much right now. And that is a problem (laughs) because, you know, it's kind of like all the years I've taught preschool kids in yoga. And I just notice how free they are and how unencumbered they are and how not self-conscious they are and all of that. And I don't really consider myself that kind of person being, you know, hiding or shy or, or not showing myself, but there are certain things that I do that are kind of like by the book versus being more spontaneous. And obviously there's lots of other things that I don't want to go into. So the bottom line and the point and the reason why I'm sharing it with you is number one, if you're curious when you hear about my story, do a little Googling, find something on YouTube that's an inner child meditation and just start there. Number two, if you want to know more about hypnotherapy, uh, do a little research on your own. If you're interested in finding out the practitioner that I'm working with, I'm happy to share um, uh, her contact information. So you can always DM me and I will let you know. So I'll leave it at that. I don't want to go too much into it. I will say um, I've booked three sessions at this point, and I'm really interested to see how it goes between the session I had this week and today, there's been a couple of days and I can already tell you that I've referenced back that four-year-old me a couple of times, and it's definitely created a positive shift in my way of being in a particular day or part of my day that I really like. So I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Okay. So today, what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk, as I said, a little bit about assisting. And the reason I wanted to talk about assisting is because it's kind of the thing that teachers don't oftentimes get a lot of support with um, or support in when they go to teacher training. It's kind of the thing where you know, maybe they get a little bit of help. I don't know. You tell me if it's something that you want to learn more about. If this episode sparks your interest, but not enough, and you want more, send me a DM and say, I need some help with assisting. And I can set up a quick one-on-one session with you to help you out. That would be a good place to start. So what we're going to talk about today are just some general principles of assisting. So here we go. In terms of, excuse me, general principles of assisting, there are four approaches that we might take when we're assisting a student in a yoga pose. Number one, what is the primary action of the pose? Number two, what is the setup of the foundation? Number three, what three instructional assists can be provided? And number four, 
what deepening assist can be provided, if any? And I would sort of say, um, don't do number four. <laughs> Even though I'm referencing it here, I would say that's like the last thing on your list. And when I say deepening, I do not mean pressing hard on someone's body. If anything, it it would be a really subtle emphasis, not a press or pressure. Um, okay, so let's take a look at kind of the approaching of the student. So as you're approaching a student, you can quickly assess which of these actions might be helpful. And this can give you a way to be more organized and effective as you assist students in class. So there are key aspects of assisting that have to do with the physical component of actually putting your hands on the person. And I want you to keep some of these themes in mind. And the first thing I also wanna to say too is, it's really important that it's clear that you have the agreement of the person to be assisted, whether you get that in the moment or you get that before you begin teaching. So number one, just general themes, your goal is direction, not perfection. So this means as you approach the student, you never want to work to force them into your idea of the perfect pose. You want to just direct them in various ways to allow the basic alignment of the pose to appear. Number two, you want to make it meaningful or don't do it. You know, there's nothing more frustrating to students than being touched by the teacher and not having a sense of why the teacher took the action he or she did or they did. If you are not sure how you want to assist the student, just don't touch them at all. The next one, know your intent before you approach them. You don't want to be standing around them and have them notice your feet and be wondering as they're in the pose, like, is this person going to touch me? Know exactly what you're going to do before you put your hands on them, before you get in their physical space. The next one, start at the foundation and work your way up. So this sort of harkens to what the student is probably doing. The student is probably, especially in a standing pose, but in any pose, sort of grounding into the foundation, creating that solid foundation, and then working their way up the kinetic chain. So your assists should come from that direction as well. The next one, be in your foundation before you assist the student. So the metaphor here is put your oxygen mask on before you help the person you're traveling with. So it's the same thing here. If you are going to assist someone, you have to first be sure that your foundation is steady so that God forbid you don't fall on them or knock yourself out as you start to you know, provide some kind of assist to them. And again, I'm gonna emphasize the days of assisting people and deepening assists are over, they're gone, they're past. So we're not doing that. But even with a directional assist, you still could lose your balance if you're not conscious about setting up your foundation first. Um, the next thing, know the intent behind your assist. So that gets back to what I was saying before and the different types of assists, instructional, deepening, or directive. And obviously you're going to keep in mind, and this emphasizes the whole theme I was mentioning before, that your goal is to help, not to hurt. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you would never intentionally want to hurt somebody, but just know that everybody's sensation is going to be different. And the best assisting approach you can take is really just to be there as a guide, not as someone to deepen anybody's experience. There's lots of ways they can deepen their experience that don't involve pushing on their body. Um, be creative. 
you know, when you assist a student, be creative in your approach. So it might mean using blocks or other props in a less common way. It could be giving them a really brief verbal instruction along with your hands-on assist. It could be you stand in front of them and show them what to do or stand on the side to them. So be creative. These kinds of things are obviously a lot easier if you're not teaching the class. Back in the day, we used to have assistance in our classes, so it was really easy for us to teach and there would be somebody assisting and that person they would love just being the assistant because it's like so cool to just be like this, you know, ninja assistant going around the room and you don't have to worry about teaching too. That probably doesn't happen that often anymore, so you're probably doing both, but it's still is something to keep in mind, like have a little freedom and creativity um, assist you in assisting them. Uh, have props ready to use. So if you need blocks or blankets or all of that, make sure if you're going to need that for a particular student, you have that available or in the room. And that speaks to setting up the room in such a way that you as the teacher can get to that, that equipment when you need it. Uh, make sure you use the right block. So if you have uh, a studio that has smaller blocks and thicker blocks and foam blocks and wood blocks, you know, make sure, you know, if you're going to use a block in an assist, it's probably going to be to create a better foundation. So that's probably going to be better with a cork block versus a foam block. If you have those options, take advantage of them. Um, the next thing is as much as possible, and again, this sort of piggybacks on what I was saying before about being creative, as much as possible, don't speak to them, just show them or use your hands to direct them. Because when you speak to them, it's kind of like breaking that third wall as an actor. It sort of takes them out of their practice and all of a sudden now they're having a conversation with another human. So as much as you can be that ninja and just assist them without having to say anything is really out of respect for them being in flow. Um, now about you, uh, that's all stuff, you know, as you assist people about you. So there's certain aspects about assisting that revolve on you, how you are in the moment, your general demeanor and approach. So things like, this sounds obvious, but let's say it anyway, be present. You obviously want to be present, whether you're teaching or assisting, you need to have your head in the game. This means that even if things are crazy in your life right now, once you step into the room, you've got to be committed to service and presence. So this might happen once you start breathing with the class, once you begin to work up and down the rows of students, or you're just making the decision to put those thoughts aside for the present moment. The next one, stay neutral despite feedback to the contrary. So I'll never forget the time I tried to hand somebody a block for twisting triangle because they were falling over and they literally pushed the block away. They didn't say anything, but they made a dirty look and pushed it away. And I just kept going. So it's really important. You don't know what that person's state of mind is. You don't want to talk to them because you don't want to break practice for them. So you just have to stay neutral. Think of it like you're a flight attendant and people are yelling at you because the plane's late and you're just going to stay in your zone and not feed the anger and just keep on moving. That's the same thing as you assist. Uh, the next thing is sort of obvious, but super important. Wash your hands before and after class. And the next one, make sure that you're hydrated and you're fed and you're, you know, well rested and you're able to physically be there for students. Um, this kind of goes for both assistants and teachers, but obviously it's helpful to get to class early so you can set up whatever props you need if you're going to be assisting people. If you are assisting people as a teacher or just an assistant, 
have a pattern in the room that you're going to follow. So you're not just like bing, bang, boom, going all over the place. Like people, as long as they say they want to be assisted, it's nice to be assisted. So have like a regular way. So you're making sure you're acknowledging each person. Um, make sure you're wearing the right clothing. So you don't want stuff that's falling off, like hanging out. You get it, right? You want to just make sure that nothing is going to catch on their clothing or body parts or anything like that. Um, and that's really it. The, the rest of the stuff. Um, oh, there's a couple of other things from the student's perspective. Um, sort of this kind of gets into the energetics, but know when to back off. So, you know, even though you're assisting, that doesn't mean you want to be hovering over students and being more of a distraction, a distraction than a facilitator. So especially if the class is small, just be judicious about how much time you're spending. So it's not overbearing. Um, and, you know, if you are doing anything that's more like in a restorative pose and you're doing a little bit more of kind of an emphasizing a particular joint action, like half pigeon is obviously the one that comes to mind, just kind of be energetically aware of, are they still breathing? Like, are they wincing? Are they kind of pulling back from your touch? Like this takes a lot of intuition to be a good assistant and to have that part of you as a teacher really flourish really does involve being able to, you know, notice how people are reacting, reacting. Um, and another thing is, you know, when you're working with beginners, they're going to want a lot of help. So you really have to sort of balance letting them sort of get through the messiness of it and also wanting to assist them and help them. So look for basic things you can do to make their practice more enjoyable, like give them the right props and maybe show them, put the hand on the inside versus the outside in a twist. That's a good way to do that. Um, there's other things about the studio environment, but I'm going to end for now with that. And I hope that this gives you some of the basics. Let me wrap up here by mentioning two things. Um, number one, all of what I am sharing with you today is part of my anatomy manual. So my anatomy manual is part of my program and my method, the momentum magic method of training teachers. But if you just want to buy my anatomy manual, you can do that anytime right on my website. And it's so much more than just this stuff about assisting. It's got the pose breakdown in it. It's got anatomy lessons. So it's a really good deal. Um, it's 119, 119 bucks, and you can buy it and get going on your uh, additional knowledge growing uh, as a teacher. And then if you decide to enroll in my program in the future, I'll discount 119 bucks because you get the manual for free if you decide in the future to enroll in the program. So feel free to do that. And then there was something else I was going to say. I can't remember what it was, but I did want to tell you that this, my anatomy manual is where is the source of this information. Of course, I know it in my brain, but I'm using the manual today as a bit of an outline to just keep myself on track. So as I mentioned earlier, and I've just this one last thing to tell you before we wrap up for, for this episode, as I mentioned earlier, I am super excited about these IG lives I'm doing and just seeing the engagement, people are commenting and I'm recognizing a lot of the names as teachers that I've talked to on Instagram before or people on my VIP mailing list. And there just seems to be a lot of interest in learning more anatomy, which Honestly, friend, I sort of don't go into it in massive depth because I feel like outside of my program, 
it's um, potentially a lot to take in. But at the same time, it's so important that you know it. So I'm going to end this episode with a little call out and see if this resonates with you, because I would love to find five yoga teachers who want to learn just the key aspects, just the key lessons that they need to know as teachers on anatomy in the next 30 days. So this is not like every day for 30 days. I want you to think, are you the kind of teacher who in the next month, so let's take the month of May, or even it doesn't have to be an actual month. It could be 30 days, whatever those 30 days are for you. Within 30 days, would like to be able to have muscle names just rolling off your tongue, would like to be able to look at students and understand what might be limiting their movement from a muscle perspective. Are you the kind of teacher who would like to refer to muscles more in your cues? Are you the kind of yoga teacher who maybe doesn't want to refer to muscles, but wants to really know what you're talking about when you offer modifications or when you share general cues or when you answer student questions? Are you someone who really wants to be a teacher and not a repeater, right? You're not just repeating cues, you're actually teaching yoga. So if that's you, I want you to send me a DM on Instagram. Tell me you heard this episode and you want to be one of those five teachers that has 30 days to learning the key pieces of anatomy. Tell me that and I will tell you how I can work with you to, to do it. Now, it's not going to be a free opportunity, but it's not going to be a super expensive thing. And it's really meant to be a short 30-day um, kind of mini program that can get you the results I just said. So with that, that is the end of this episode. I'm super excited to share it with you and I will chat with you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And the fact that you're still here and still listening is not lost on me. So thank you so much. Couple of things. If you have any questions, please contact me. Send me what your questions are directly to my Instagram DM. You can find me there at Bare Bones Yoga. The next thing I hear so much from yoga teachers that they want to be confident. They want to feel more confident. They don't want to have that nervous feeling in their stomach when they get up to teach. They don't want to stumble over their words. They want to create sequences fast and not spend so much time writing out their sequences and practicing their sequences. And they so much want to just walk around the room rather than being tied to the mat and practicing the entire sequence with their class. If any of this hits home for you and you want to develop into a more confident, authentic teacher in the next 30 days. I want you to DM me confident teacher heard it on the podcast, and I will show you exactly how you can get there. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you on the next episode.